Hi friends, I'm Kara Kay, and this is the Asking for a Friend podcast, a show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are all asking hard questions that affect us as women in the culture that surrounds us, and we are looking for a safe place to ask them. But don't worry, I know you're only asking for a friend. Well, hey, friends, welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. I am so excited to introduce you guys today to Rachel Welcher. Now, I recently found her because I picked up her book called Talking Back to Purity Culture. And I was like, okay, I need this book. This is something that is just hits really close to home. And so welcome, Rachel. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So I have to share with you. I was, I mean, I grew up in purity culture like you. I was the girl that like, I had a True Love Waits Bible. I had my cards like framed on the wall. I gave my husband my purity ring on our wedding day. I mean, I was like all in. And then it just, over the last couple of years, I've realized how much shame I have carried Mm -hmm. from that. And I've been working really hard to unpack that and study that a lot. And I know so many women are struggling in that same way who grew up like like us in the church and wanted to be good girls, but just had some of these messages pushed on us that were hard and challenging. So let's dig in. I want to hear your story. I'd love for you to share a bit of that and what, what your journey has looked like. Yeah. So I grew up as a pastor's kid and now I'm actually a pastor's wife. So Mm -hmm full circle. Um, But I grew up in evangelicalism and I don't think I received too many of the purity culture messages from my parents. It was more that I was handed these books that were popular at the time, like When God Mm -hmm. Writes Your Love Story. And so what happened is that we were all reading these books, but we weren't talking about them with each other. We were just reading them and internalizing the messages. And I think that was one of the biggest problems is that we would, there would be the occasional purity conference where mm-hmm. it would be talked about, but then there was no discussion. Yes. There was no uh, looking at the whole of scripture and figuring out where these messages fit in with the Bible. The conversations were always very segregated, right? It was either right, right. you separate the boys and girls mm-hmm. or you put them together, but just teenagers, not adults, not widows, yeah. not those who've been divorced. And so the conversations took on sort of a, a culture of their own, right. a purity culture. Tell me a little of your story and how that impacted you walking into marriage and what that looked like. Yeah. So I, like you, I mean, I didn't have the bracelet, but I, I tried to, I tried to follow all the rules mm-hmm. and I remember, uh, dated my first husband for years. We, mm-hmm. my dad did the wedding. We didn't, I, he was my first kiss. Uh-huh. Um, and so I really tried to follow all the rules in the books. Like you said, be a good Christian girl. And even though I didn't know it at the time, I had internalized this idea that if I followed the rules, it would ensure me a healthy, long-lasting marriage. Mm. Um, And the other promises would be great sex and lots of babies, right? Um, So marriage, sex, and babies were the promises that if you stayed abstinent, you would get those things. Mm -hmm. What happened for me is that even though I feel like I took the right steps or I followed the rules, five years into my marriage, uh, my husband, who I met in Bible college, Mm -hmm. he started to question his faith. And he ended up deciding to leave the faith and leave me. And so then I was left to grapple with this idea that, okay, if I followed the rules and now I'm divorced, what does all of this mean? Right. Did, God, did God break a promise to me? Or mm. were these promises actually not from God and to begin with? 
Hmm. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you walking through that saying, I did everything right. You know what, right. what now, what does this look like now? I haven't shared much of my personal story that openly, but I have faced a lot of shame. Like I, I mentioned before, because I was fed that message as a teenager of, okay, well, you don't cross the finish line unless it's with your husband. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, as long as I remain a quote unquote virgin and I keep that intact, then I'm good. But no one really talked to me about the integrity that came with Mm -hmm. that. And so I dated around so much and, and got so close that it was like, well, I'm still good because this is still intact. And I, and I held that, that title so proudly without even realizing the implications that it was putting on me. And that it would take me 12 years into marriage to even unpack some of those things. And so I have been there. My journey has been interesting and long and I am grateful to have a very healthy marriage now, but I know so many women out there are going, yeah, I, I feel that. Like I think back to the messages that, you know, in the books I read or the conferences I went to and just felt so much pressure to be perfect, but I was still a teenager. I was still a college age right. kid and I messed up. And so I just said, well, it, it, it's okay because I didn't, you know, cross the finish line. Right. I read a book recently, uh, maybe you've read this, it's called Faithful, A Theology of mm-hmm. Sex. Um, it's by Beth Felker Jones. And she's a theologian and she talks a lot about this topic. And I just, I loved this book. It was really eye-opening to see the, you know, the message of purity and uh, the way that it's presented to us, but the way that we need to look at it biblically. And I think we miss so much of that. And she talked about how we look at virginity as being like merchandise, that our bodies are Mm -hmm. like merchandise. And once it's purchased and once we've lost that part of ourselves, then well, we're done. Talk me through that. What does that look like, this purity message and how does it line up biblically? Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing what you shared because I think it will resonate with a lot of others. Mm. Um, Just this idea that virginity is a gift. I mean, so many of us were told verbatim that sex is the greatest gift you can give your virginity rather is the greatest gift you can give your spouse. And women were told that more than men, but men were told it too. And and so what happened in purity culture is that virginity became the goal and the idol Mm -hmm. rather than sexual purity as a whole. And David Powelson talks about this in um, his book, making all things new, but that sexual purity is a lifelong calling. Mm. And so when we Act, when we tell adolescents that they only have to wait until, first of all, we're promising them marriage, which is not a promise mm-hmm. from scripture. Yeah. And also sexual purity doesn't end at the altar. It's right. not the finish line. Right. And as you were mentioning, virginity is not the definition of sexual purity. Right. Because there are so many, we have to think back to Jesus sermon on the Mount, right? Mm-hmm. When he said that if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Yeah. So our call to sexual purity is actually way more all encompassing than purity culture made it out to be. And yet at the same time, God's grace is also more powerful and all covering than purity culture talked about it. And so those two things, those biblical truths got lost in this obsession with keeping kids abstinent, not Mm -hmm. caring if they did committed other 
um, sexual sins, or even mm -hmm. if they were struggling in their own minds and hearts. Right, uh, right. Pornography was a huge problem. Um, but those weren't the things that were focused on. It was just this, make sure your kid doesn't get an STD or get pregnant. I mean, it was mm -hmm. really based on a reaction to those two things. Yeah. And while we can understand parents and youth leaders caring about that, we have to care about the whole person mm -hmm. and the whole of God's word. And God's word doesn't end with just remain a virgin until you get mm -hmm. married. Right. Yeah. And so I think biblically, we are called to something much greater, but we also have so much more grace from Christ. Yeah, I think there's something to be said in the the language and the way that we present it to youth today, or I mean, even adults today who feel that pressure of, okay, well, I have to have this, you know, I have to be pure and have this, this identity of right. that purity surrounding me. And it's something my husband and I talk about in raising our kids of we want to present this in a way of having sexual integrity mm -hmm. and, and not just focused on the abstinence part, because I think we get caught up in that and, and make that idol of virginity being, oh, this is the goal, I, right. you know, and forget all the other things, but, but having that integrity and realizing that there is the grace of God in that right. is such a huge part of this message and, and of the journey, because we forget that God is part of it. And his plan was for sex. That was, you right. know, such an intimate thing that he created for us. And it can be a beautiful thing when we realize that. And so right. I think we just forget that and we miss that. Absolutely. And I think we forget too, that our worth isn't dictated by our sexual past mm -hmm. or the sins that have been committed against us because right. our purity comes from Christ, right? And that cannot be changed or altered. And so these metaphors that we were um, given in, you know, youth group about mm -hmm. the used car or the chewed up gum or the right. rose passed around the room, right? Those metaphors were very damaging because what they said to us was that our worth has, will act, we will use, we will lose value mm -hmm. as people. Right. Um, whereas the scripture says that we are made in the image of God, right. And that he, our worth comes from him mm. and because he's the source, it's unchanging. Yeah. What, let's talk to that woman today. Who's like, okay, great. But I didn't make that choice for myself that she was the victim of some sort of sexual abuse and, or encounter that, she feels unworthy because of that. Or maybe she's walking through that with a friend or a daughter or a son, you know, whatever that may look like. Talk to her a little bit about how to walk through that and finding mm -hmm. that, you know, just that identity again and that worth when you feel like it's been ripped away from you. Mm, that is such a good question. I mean, the first thing I would want to say to someone who's been sexually abused is that God weeps with you. Mm, yeah. I really believe that it breaks his heart. Yeah. Um, I think that this whole rhetoric of baggage or used goods is mm -hmm. so incredibly um, harmful right. and you don't see it anywhere in scripture. Mm -hmm. When God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness. And so mm -hmm. I think just continuing to root our identity in who Jesus is, is so important because culture, secular and Christian culture will often uh, view us based on uh, what, what we've done or what's been done to us, right. Sexually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's not how God looks at us. So this idea that you're somehow less whole isn't true. And you really have to preach to yourself and ask those closest to you to preach to you in your, um, dark moments that you are whole in Christ. 
that you are beloved. Mm. Yeah. That it's a fight. It's a fight. And, and I think that um, really the reason I actually wrote this book was for people who have been sexually abused. That's mm. where it started. That's where my research started because I wanted to understand if purity culture actually pressed in on that wound of abuse mm. yeah. with its messages. And what I found is that it does. And so yeah. we have to do better moving forward. Yeah. How would you say, let's talk practically. How would you say that the church, I'm a pastor's wife as well, work within ministry spaces a lot. How would you say Mm -hmm. that the church can step in and have better conversations to, let's just start with the healing of those people. What would be a way to provide space and step into those conversations with those who have been hurt by this and want to find healing, some Mm -hmm. practical steps they can take? I mean, I think we have to start by recognizing that in the church, we tend to idolize the nuclear family. Mm, So, so often it's those who are married with children that are given the ministry positions that are looked to for wisdom and advice. And you have people who are divorced, who are still single, who are same-sex attracted, who've been abused. You have people, you have um, people, couples who can't have children. Mm-hmm. You have these people living with um, these feelings of brokenness and right. confusion, and they don't feel as valued in the church. Right. And so right. I think we have to start by just recognizing that we have pushed certain people to the margins of our mm-hmm. churches and we have to bring them in and remind them that we are a family and that they are needed. We need them. Yeah. So I think that's one way place to start, but I also have this vision that we would stop having conversations about sexuality and these segregated groups of just mm-hmm. teenagers or um, just a women's Bible study, but that we would have more open conversations. I have this dream that my book would be read. Uh, there's discussion questions at the end of each chapter, but that it would be read with say, you know, a widow, a teenager, someone who's same sex attracted, divorced, single married with kids and, and just see how much we actually have in common. Mm-hmm. Sexuality is common to humankind. And it manifests itself in different ways, in different beautiful ways and sad ways. And we can pray for one another. Mm. Sin breeds in the darkness. Shame breeds in the darkness. And we need to bring these things into the light. And I know it's awkward, Mm -hmm. but I really do believe that if we read the whole council of scripture, we see that it opens doors to these conversations. And sometimes we just shut those doors mm-hmm. and, or we segregate the groups because we think that talking about sex is too sexy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. And I think if you yeah. read my book, you'll see that there's a way to talk about sex that it takes God's word seriously, mm-hmm. that is compassionate and doesn't have to be this titillating experience where it causes people to lust just by saying right. the word sex. Um, I think we become too afraid We've, our oversexed culture has made us afraid to talk about sex, but there's a way to do so in a God honoring way. Yeah. Take, take me through that. Give me some, for somebody that's listening, they're like, yes, I want that. Mm-hmm. Give me, give us some talking points, some, some ways to begin that conversation. Mm, that's good. Well, I was a high school English teacher for 10 years. And so one way I would talk to my students about just life, including mm-hmm. sexuality was by bouncing off of, um, pop culture that they were already taking in. Mm -hmm. So say I heard them talking about a TV show. I would say, Hey, how are women depicted in that show? Mm. And we start to have a conversation or what do you think about the way sex is characterized in, in that TV show or in that, that song in those lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then that would be a way to take something they were already interested in. That was not neutral, but, um, wasn't, didn't seem like a sensitive issue to them. Right. It was an inviting topic that they're already talking about 
and then jump in and say, let's examine that worldview. Mm. And so that's even something you can do with adults is that we're often having conversations about pop culture and pop culture is preaching at us, whether Mm -hmm. we realize it or not. And, And so we can, we can grab that even Christian culture. So say you're reading another book by a Christian to, to not read books in isolation anymore. That's one of my biggest points is that Mm. I'm not going to tell a parent to hand their teenager a book, including my own. If they want to read the book, read it with their kid and someone else. Mm -hmm. I really hope that people will read my book in community, that Mm -hmm. they will talk about it with one another instead of just reading it alone in their room and wrestling with these things again in the darkness. Right. Right. I think that is so important. It's funny. My husband and I were just having this conversation because we're reading a book together right now. Mm -hmm. And we, we both take in most of the books that we read through audio. And so sometimes you just fly through those things and it's like, okay, I need to step back and I need to like really think through this and have this conversation. And I was like, do we need to like have a book club or something? We need to sit down with some people right. and talk through these things because when you really wrestle with something that's this important, something that really matters, that affects your life, that affects the people in your community. If you're any, I mean, in any sort of leadership position, if you're a parent, you're in a leadership position, and this is incredibly important to give this message to your children in a healthy way. And so, yeah, I I can't agree with you more that having these conversations Mm -hmm. in community is so important. And, and for some churches, they're like, ah, scary sex. We don't want to talk about that. Like you said, but I think there can be some ways that you can just step into it in a, a way that, you know, even if it looks like having a a sermon series that's built around it. And so then there's discussion questions for a group or, you know, it doesn't have to look like this big, scary thing, but it can be presented in a way that's safe and inviting, even when it's a hard conversation. Absolutely. And I think there are levels to sharing. So you might think about a small group and realize that you wouldn't want to talk about certain things, mm-hmm. but within that small group, you find a safe person or two yes. that you can ask for ac- accountability and prayer. So I'm not saying that we need to, um, that we have to be vulnerable to a point that's not safe. Right. But I think that there is a way to have these conversations, even if it's just by saying, Hey, have you guys heard of purity culture? Mm-hmm. What's your experience with it? What do you think right. of it? is the church getting it right? I mean, that is, that's a conversation that doesn't have to be scary. Now it can open up doors to so many different um, facets of this topic, but I think you can just start with that. Do you know what purity culture means? What was your experience with Mm -hmm. it? What should we be telling our kids moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I had a conversation with a woman just this week um, about this topic of purity culture. Mm -hmm. And she's, about 20, 25 years older than me. And so she's like, you know, I wasn't in your generation and Mm -hmm. I didn't really like hear a lot of that, but she was like, you know, I, I mean, I heard it from the outside and so it was a different experience for her, but she's, she's got kids that are now raising their kids. And, you know, so it's like this whole cycle, if we don't break that cycle and change the narrative, then we will continue to teach the next generation some really damaging things that will affect them forever. So. And, and I would add too, that if our generation doesn't talk to those from other generations, mm-hmm. as we reassess, then we're yeah. bound to make um, the same mistake, but just in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. Because so many of the books coming out right now, reevaluating purity culture are actually ditching God's sexual mm-hmm. ethic altogether. Yes. That's actually what makes my book different is I'm saying, 
yes, we need to reevaluate. And mm-hmm. some of this wasn't biblical, but God's word still matters. Yes. And so we are bound to go too far the other way and yes. overcorrect if yeah. we don't talk to other generations and say, okay, what are some messages that we need to make sure we don't toss mm-hmm. out, you know, with the water? Yeah, I think that's really important. There, I read a book recently that was kind of on that opposite end. Um, Cause I wanted, I wanted to hear, I like to hear all different messages mm-hmm. and, and it was like, well, I grew up in the purity culture. And so I taught my daughter something completely different and right. she wanted to have a sleepover with her, her boyfriend when she was 16. And she was like, okay, well just be safe. And, and mm. so it was like one of those things that's like, well, what is that teaching the next generation mm. that mm. yeah, be safe, but how are you showing her? the implications of what that might look like for her emotionally and over time. And how does that really create a sexual integrity um, for her and her relationship? So there is so many things that come into play that I think we, we don't even realize if we stay in our bubble. So I'm always encouraging my listeners and my community, get out of your echo chambers and listen to other things and then ask God, what is, what is right and true Right. And, and my community and my family, um, very important as we wrap up, I would love if you could just share maybe a little bit of encouragement with someone who is Mm -hmm. like us, who grew up in the purity culture, but wants to, wants to talk back and wants to have these conversations, but doesn't really, maybe she doesn't know where to start or she's a little scared. Would you just Mm -hmm. share a bit of encouragement with her? You know, we can and should question not God's word, but how we've interpreted it. Yeah. And so I think that often when we think about deconstruction and asking questions, it can um, scare us. Uh, We think that maybe it would lead to faithlessness, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's a way to reassess to even to deconstruct while standing firmly on the foundation of God's word. It takes a lot of humility to recognize that we may have internalized biblical truths in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, that we may have taken in messages that came from Christian culture that didn't actually come from the Bible. So I would say just give yourself a lot of grace, mm-hmm. invite your community into the discussion, ask God to show you what is true, and be prepared for him to just show you so much grace in the process, um, so much healing from false guilt. I think it's really important that we untangle true conviction from scripture, from this false guilt that we've received from purity culture. Mm. It's worth it. God is with you in it and invite your friends to join you. Mm. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Would you tell people where they can find you, get your book? Sure. You can get my book pretty much anywhere. I know it's, it's on Amazon, InterVarsity Press, Barnes and Noble, and it's in ebook and audio, which is great. It came out yesterday. You can find me on Twitter at Rachel J. Welcher. And I tweet a lot about this topic and other things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll put all those links in the show notes today. I appreciate you just taking the time to sit and talk with us. I feel encouraged walking away and I know my (laughs) listeners will as well. So I encourage you guys go grab Rachel's book and dig into this conversation. Thank you so much. I'm Kara K. James, and you've just listened to the Asking for a Friend podcast. I hope you are inspired and encouraged by these conversations to step out of the status quo and engage in conversations that matter. You can find the show notes for this episode and subscribe at karakjames.com slash podcast. I also love connecting with you on Instagram and Facebook. I am at karak.james. 
You can also subscribe to my newsletter at karakjames.com slash newsletter. This podcast is meant to provide you with a safe space to work through the questions you have about yourself, the church, and the world around you. Please never hesitate to reach out to me if you need a safe place to land. Thanks for listening and keep asking questions for a friend.